Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and give us that five-star rating. Maybe even leave a review to let others know what you think of the show. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about Raised on the Radio. Raised on the Radio has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. Whether you're looking for a custom oatmeal, a multivitamin, a great tasting protein that you can order by the pound, or simply looking for a company you know you can trust to send you the best quality products available, True Nutrition has you covered. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all of the great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in C-E-P-N in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It is that easy. Raised on the Radio's listenership continues to grow with every episode. We are always looking for great sponsorship and collaboration opportunities. If you or anyone you know has a business they are trying to grow and want to jump on board with us, email us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com. We would love to connect with you. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out through email or on the social medias. You can reach us at raisedontheradiostl at gmail.com or on the Raised on the Radio's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. We also have a new website where you can find all of our content. Head on over to RaisedOnTheRadioSTL.com. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, do not hesitate to reach out. And now, let's get into this episode. Hey everybody, thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of the show. I am Colt Brocato, my good friend Patrick Blair in Zoomland as usual. So we're recording post 4th of July by a few days. So how was your weekend? Did you do anything special for the 4th? Uh, how does your kid handle fireworks? All that good stuff. Didn't do anything really. Okay. My kid slept through. It was a war zone at my house. I'm not going to lie. I assumed it fireworks would be. Fireworks until 2, 2 a.m. Yikes. Pissed me off. My kid slept through all of it. Nice. My dogs. Yeah. My dogs. <laughs> Thought the fucking there was a war outside, <laughs> panting in my face, slept on my face. Yikes! Let me just say this: if you shoot fireworks until two a.m., you're an asshole. That's I don't ju- care what kind. So that even if they're bottle rockets, that's just in general. Or do you think you, you give more leniency for certain days? Like on the fourth? Well, actually, on the fourth didn't really work this year because it was on a Monday and people had to go back to work on Tuesday for the most part. But like didn't seem to sat- stop the people around me. But like Saturday, okay, when a lot of places did the fireworks and stuff, you don't give people leniency to do it for however long. Until two a.m. I mean, no. I mean that's like in a, in a, in a residential neighborhood. No, fuck off, you're Is assholes. That, do you have any idea what the guidelines are for your town? No idea. No. No idea. No. Hmm. Didn't seem to be any because <laughs> we're talking <laughs> fireworks shows until two a.m. Not just, like I said, bottle rockets, a few firecrackers. No, 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 no. Like legit fucking, <laughs> oh shit. Was that a bomb or was it a firework? That. Nice. My son slept through it all. It was amazing. I didn't sleep. Where are they shooting them from around you? Like in the street? Some in the street. Like I thought I was going to have to get up and go talk to these kids. Because they were just lighting off like whatever they are. Fucking 
M80s or whatever super loud bullshit you fucking it, it serves no purpose <laughs> other than just being disruptive. Which I've been there. I was a kid. I understand. Yeah. And I was uh, believe me, we were assholes with fireworks. Uh, but yeah, I thought I was gonna have to be like, hey guys, it's midnight. I got a two year old who's sleeping right outside the window. You're like, you gotta, you gotta calm down. But I didn't. So I've never been, and I was, I was talking to somebody about this uh, yesterday. I've never been a big fourth of July guy. I don't really care. I've never cared. Never care. I don't care. Have you, do you, are you, do you get into it? I don't care. Not like I know you did your usual thing, like you went camping and shit, but like you do that on a Tuesday. You don't need the fourth. <laughs> I mean, right? the, the camping thing just started a few years ago, I guess, when we first got a camper. But um, no, I don't get into it near as much as I used to. I mean, we'll we'll go and watch a show, you know, if it's like one close to home. If we're home, um, but you say watch a show like a fireworks show. Yeah. See, I've never given a fuck. Yeah. Even when I was a I, kid. I don't, I don't really give, I don't care as much anymore as I used to. It's not near as fun for me anymore. Now it's just the same old thing. Um, maybe I'll get more into it now that my son's here because like he enjoyed it. Uh, we had like headphones on him or uh, ear, yeah. earmuffs or whatever on him. Um, he enjoyed it up until the point where he wanted to go to sleep and they weren't letting him go to sleep because they were so loud. So he was like rolling and tossing and turning and stuff like that, but he enjoyed it up until that point. So maybe I'll get back into it. And I'm, you know, once it gets to like the age to where it kind of gets fun again to buy fireworks and stuff like that, I might get into it, but I don't know. We'll see. So like as a, as a young kid, I didn't give a shit about 4th of July. It just, it, to me, it was a day like, oh, we're having a barbecue and people are coming over. And someone's going to shoot off something. I didn't really care. Now as a teenager, different story. We would have, you know, 4th of July. Oh shit. Let's go buy fireworks. Let's be disruptive. Okay. As an adult, I don't fucking care. Don't care. It's an excuse to drink beer, which I don't need one. Uh, I do that on a Tuesday. Good point. It's it's an, it's an excuse to drink beer and maybe go to a pool or a barbecue, but like the whole holiday of it and celebrating don't care. You don't even, you don't care about independence, bro. Come on. No, I do not. <laughs> no. Why would I care about that? Do you care? I don't do know. Actually, I don't do know. I, I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like you party it up more on Cinco de Mayo than you do on 4th of July. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Am I right? <laughs> I like Cinco de Mayo. I like Cinco de Mayo because I'm white and it's an excuse for us to get shit faced. Uh, I think you, you may be in the wrong place, man. Uh, just saying, mean? just saying. What do you mean? I'm just saying. You cel- you celebrate the independence of other people instead of us. That's not actually what in Cinco de Mayo celebrates. What is it? It's a celebration of a battle that the Mexican army won against the Spanish. Not actually their independence. Okay. Is that a well-known thing? Yeah, Am I dumb for that? Be. Am I dumb for that? I thought that. I mean, white people don't know it because thought, they don't care. I thought Cinco de Mayo was Mexican up. Independence Day, or is that just what they call nope. it? That's what ignorant white people who want to drink margaritas <laughs> call it. That's fine. I'm one of them. Again, all we need is a Tuesday to drink a margarita. So all you need, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't care about Fourth of July. I never really. It's just not. Uh, I don't care. I this year, it. no, I didn't do anything. So I'm trying to think of what did I do on the actual fourth. I took my son to get Mexican, and we had I had a margarita on there, the Fourth of July. There you go. So you're right, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> You even did Cinco de Mayo on 4th of July. I did Cinco de Mayo on 4th of July. <laughs> Damn. <clears throat> That's funny. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. I'm glad it's over. I was uh, really worried that the fireworks were going to continue last night. They didn't really. Well, that's good. But I will say this too. If you're still an asshole that shoots their gun on one of these holidays, it's like, ugh. Did that happen around you? A residential area, Right. People are shooting guns in the air in your area? Uh, yeah, I could hear a few. Yikes. Yeah, I could hear a few. Hmm. You can go in any neighborhood. And, yeah, you can hear a few. <laughs> Whatever. I, but, wonder, hey, those, I wonder what makes you feel the need to do that. I don't know. I mean, because you don't realize that those bullets have to come down somewhere into someone's home. I, I guess. It's not the real need to do it, but it's what they don't think about. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, I think on New Year's, I might go to the woods. The Airbnb are you, are your place. You, are you being serious? We might go to the woods. Are you being serious? Yeah, I swear to God. Yeah. I might get the fuck out of here. Just, I mean, for what? Like, you're talking about New Year's. We're talking six months away. Why, why are you already scheduling your New Year's? Because I saw what 4th of July looked like. Oh. So was it worse in your new place than your other place? Wouldn't it like right yeah. down the road from each, from each other? You would think it wouldn't matter, but you go a half mile and <laughs> whoa, did shit change. <laughs> whoa, did shit change. Yeah, I would Airbnb my camper, but it, it's hard telling how cold it's going to be on New Year's. Is that legal? Can you do that? Uh, What, Airbnb a camper? Do people do that? Yeah, but it's not Airbnb. I don't think people do, do it through Airbnb. I can't remember what it's called, but there is something like that where uh, people will set up a camper and then people can just stop there and stay there just like an Airbnb setup. Right now, I'm trying to think of who's worse. The person who actually Airbnbs their camper or the person who stays in the camper? I mean, I, I mean, if you're if you're traveling and you just need a, you just need a spot to sleep in for 30 bucks... You know, why, why not? What's the advantage of the camper over Motel 6? Uh, probably cheaper. Have you ever stayed in a Motel 6? <laughs> no, I don't want to either. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> From someone who stayed in many. Yeah, maybe maybe less I cockroaches. I mean, I hope your camper is cleaner than a Motel 6, but I really do. <laughs> But yeah, New Year's plans. Going to the woods. It's okay. Settled. Come on down. Get the hell out of here. Come on down. Getting the hell out of here. You guys have any plan? Any trips planned for this year? No. You just kind of. We're trying to, but nothing yet. Yeah. Where did you guys went to the Smokies? Right, a couple of years ago, or right yeah. right after your son was born? Right. Uh, he was like five months old. Okay. Where did you guys go? Where did you stay? Man. I don't remember. It was close, right? It was like either Seaverville or Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg. What was the first thing you said? Seaverville. That might have been it. Okay. I can't remember. That might have been it, though. 
Okay. It was not Gatlinburg. <sighs> Pigeon Forge sounds familiar, but I don't think that's where we actually stayed. I don't know. Okay. Those are like the three well, main surrounding places. Well, because we're going in October. We're taking like a family trip, like my parents and my sister and brother-in-law and niece and nephew and cool. all of them are going. So uh, I was just curious. It'll be a little bit cold. I think it'll be perfect though, because it'll be like... Yeah, yeah. Pretty. You never know though. <laughs> it'll, yeah. It could, be, it could be snowing. And who knows? Won't be 98, 100% humidity. That's what you're saying? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> So, Baker Mayfield is a Panther. Yeah, uh, we haven't really got to talk about this a whole lot. Uh, just well, cu- what, what's your what, what's anything your, to talk about? What, what's your thoughts? Um, I mean, good for him. I'm bummed. I hated the way this ended, or I hate the way this ended. I should say. How do you how do you think a quarterback should feel if? Three years ago, well, four years ago, I know, I guess, you go, Baker was number one in the draft, right? He was. You go number one in the draft, and then four years later, you're traded for a fifth round draft pick. Yeah, but the team's paying half your salary. That's true. So, but yeah, I mean, I, well, think about it this way. If you go back to 2018 and tell the Panthers they're going to have two of the top three picks of the draft in 2022, they're going to be like, holy shit, we're going to the Super Bowl. But, but. Maybe. (laughs) But also, I want to see how that plays out. You think they'll make Darnold and uh, Baker kind of go at it to see who's going to be the number one guy? Or you think Darnold is the guy? They'll call it a quarterback competition, but let's, let's get real. If Baker's healthy, he's the guy. You think? Yes. Because I, th- I, th- I, thought, I thought they were all in on Darnold being the guy. I know he got hurt last season, but. Well, so did Baker. And, and here's, here's where I'm indifferent on the whole thing. Like I said, I don't like the way it ended. I, I, I am a Baker fan. I was pro Baker. But they didn't make him play hurt last year. He did that on his own. So okay. let me say this. I don't know what the outcome would have been if he had, after week two, said, you know what? My shoulder's fucked up. I'm going to sit out the rest of the season, get my surgery, come back stronger than ever next year. I don't know what would have happened in the offseason this season. Would they have trusted that that would have worked? Or would they have signed somebody else, in this case, Deshaun Watson, and said, so long, Baker? I tend to feel that football is dominated decision-making in football is dominated by the metrics and by the numbers. So that terrible season that he had last year while playing hurt really fucked his chances of getting a contract from the Browns. That's just my belief. Okay. I think if he takes the, the approach like guys, I'm hurt. I I don't feel like the team's going to be better with me in the games. I'm going to sit out. But then I don't know how sympathetic they would have been. But then if you but, go with a backup quarterback who maybe doesn't do well either, do you look at Cleveland Browns as a whole as a team, or do you look at it, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know. I think in that situation you go, well, we do have the highest paid backup in the NFL. Maybe we just run with him. 
instead of letting this guy play hurt. True. Every analyst in football, especially every analyst that played quarterback, was like, yeah, it's not helping him. His throwing motion is off because of his shoulder. This is not, you're not seeing the real guy out there. So has he has he gotten the surgery that he needed? Pretty sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he got it immediately. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know for sure because I know that uh, what I seen today was it's still pending a physical, like this whole the whole trade. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean that that all. I mean, come on. Yeah. What, how often does that really go? Oh, you didn't pass your physical. Sorry. How often does that happen? I especially I for like a high profile guy like this. Like it doesn't happen often. Right. So now you're looking at possibly a still suspended Deshaun Watson. So are you, are you going to go out and get a Jacoby Brissett jersey like right away? I'm riding with Jacoby. Told you he's he's my starter week one. Yeah. And oh, by the way, in week one, they play the Panthers. I seen that. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of neat, though. Both of our teams are doing that because I've got uh, Denver play Seattle first game. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say other than it, it sucks. Like, I was a fan, but it what, is what it is at this was, point. Was? So you're not, your your fandom won't follow to Carolina? No, no. I'm not going to wish him to do poorly, but no. It's done. Hmm. I still like him. You know, if he does well, I'm going to, you know, but I eh, know, I mean, whatever. I'm not rooting for the fucking Panthers in week one, that's for sure. <laughs> In week one, Baker can suck a dick. Jeez. So, <laughs> it's, it's, hey, man, that's how it is. That's how it is, dude. Yeah, I get it. But, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not uh, I'm not one of these Baker haters, man. I never have been. And for the people that are, football is a very – I was thinking about this, too. Football is a very specific fandom, meaning fans are really compelled – to armchair situation in football. I guess that's why it's called armchair quarterbacking. I feel like you see it more in football, and I think this has a lot to do with nerds playing fantasy football. Because you think about it, fantasy football was the big, it was the start of it all, right? Long before there was ever fantasy anything else, there was fantasy football. And I felt like it gave people this false sense of like they knew the game better than the actual players. It's like, no, dude. You read a magazine five minutes before you submit a lineup and you listen to what other people say about players and then you you act like you know everything. I I hate fantasy football. Isn't it crazy that we kind of have like armchair I don't I don't know what you would call it, but like MMA. We have it in like with UFC and Bellator now too, I think. People who give me an example. Just like any random person who's like sitting at home watching an MMA fight, like, oh, no, do this. Oh, you need to do this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they could do it better if they were standing in the octagon. Who does that? I bet do you know it, someone I, I that does it, that? I, no, well, not specifically, but I bet it happens a lot. I mean, I know people that like, not personally, but I know pe- I know people like talk shit and mock fighters. ESPN um, and that bothers me but with football it feels very specific and I don't know why but it felt like Baker got in in just an extra amount of hate for I don't I, for what reason his stats say otherwise you know there were all these people that came out of the woodwork when Odell Beckham's 
dad posted those videos and it's like that is so out of context yeah but all these people are like see he, he does suck like odell couldn't be wrong like yeah he could be <laughs> and then there were the people like yo look at as soon as he went to the rams he balled out like oh, okay you mean that stacked offensive threat that the rams posed you mean he fit into that well geez what what are we even talking about and a quarterback who wasn't hurt yeah and had something to prove yeah whatever well i'm glad you brought up mma did you watch the fights this weekend have you no i did not i've seen some highlights but that's all i got to really do because remember i was doing white white guy stuff you know, camping with no cell you service. You tend to do that. Tend yeah. to do that. Yeah. Which sucks because I did not, which I don't know if ever, I don't know. Did you have a feeling that Cowboy was going to retire after this fight beforehand? I hoped he would. Because he only got to 49, right? Didn't he want, wasn't he shooting for 50? I thought that was the goal. 50 fights? Yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, I mean, he said he wasn't, uh, he didn't, doesn't want to do it anymore, man. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, but how, how many, and maybe I've missed some, maybe you might be able to tell me a few, but how many fighters do you know that when they retire, their, the, like their biggest thing is, I just don't love it anymore. Like, and, and that's what they say, is I don't love it anymore. This just isn't what I want to do anymore. You know, a lot of times it's like injuries get the best of you or, you know, something along those lines, but not like, I just don't love it anymore. It's just not. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Johnson said something similar to that. But he said something along the lines of, I never really liked getting punched in the face, so I think I'm done doing this. Paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. Jessica, I retired in the prelims before uh, Cowboy did. Oh, really? Yeah, she kind of said something along the same lines. I can't remember exactly what she said. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what Joanna said. I don't think she said it. Well, I think Joanna kind of said the same thing. There are different ways to say it, but Cowboy just flat out said, I don't fucking. Yeah. I'm not the same guy. I'm not the guy that wanted to fight five times a year. Like, yeah. It probably has a large part to do with why he doesn't love it anymore. Let's be honest. Like, how, how long can you do that? Realistically, how long can you be that guy that's like, when, where? Cool. Well, I mean, we can ask Magni. That's a good point. Look at what that got him. True. It's a, it's a bummer. You were, didn't retire. You were hyping that up pretty good before the fight, too. Seen that on social media. Oh, the fact that he would have the record? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think one thing that's overlooked with him to most people, unless you really follow MMA, is that, I mean, he fought five times in a calendar year. And then the year after that, he fought four times. And that wasn't even in the calendar year. That wasn't within a span of like 10 months. So we're talking nine fights in less than two years against monsters too. These aren't like throw away. He's fighting Damian Maya. He's fighting Hector Lombard. He's fighting Lorenz Larkin and guys like that. Like, come on, dude. And then he gets to a position where Okay, now I'm in the rankings. Now there's a little bit of buzz. He needs to win that fight. He loses that fight. Then he gets goes back, goes on another streak. Never, never once asks for anything. 
other than, oh, nobody wants to fight that guy. Well, I'll be the guy to do it. Right. You know, Rachmanov, the guy you fought. I mean, nobody wants to fight that guy. Neil Magny, for whatever reason, <laughs> being ranked 10th, coming off wins. It's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, why are you doing that? You don't have to do that. Like, ask to fight somebody else in the top 10. Like, what do you, but he did it. And, you know, yeah, it cost him. Yeah. But, you know, I was hyping it up. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of guys like that. He also doesn't talk shit. He doesn't, you know, he's very, he's just very much like a hard worker and puts his, puts his head down and just does his job. And sometimes he wins. Well, how, sometimes he loses. Do you know, you know how that works in the UFC? Like once you have a fight, is there a, a certain amount of time you have to stay out before you can fight again, just by UFC policy? No, it only depends on injury. So like if you get it, you know, injury suspended then yeah but no i mean if you're not on injury suspension i mean we've seen guys do it i mean you know that's how Ham, you know hamzat became as popular as he is because he fought in like two fights in nine days or whatever it was or oh really know. i don't i don't think i remember that yeah during dang during the pandemic yeah huh two fights in 10 days or whatever it was yeah fought on one card one Quickly, and then he was like, "Yeah, I'll fight again." And fought again. Uh, you know, Bobby Green is a recent one that I can think of. He won his fight, and then two weeks later, he fought <laughs> Ismail Makachev. Like, ugh. not really the fight you want to take on short notice. But good luck, bro. I'm rooting for you. Yeah. Um, you you got to have or some... Islam Islam Makachev. Sorry, you have to, to have you have to have some extra. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess just respect. You have to have some extra respect for those guys who take short notice fights. Because I mean, it, I mean, oh, God, yeah. I mean, anybody who just looks at MMA and just looks at two guys just fighting each other in the octagon, it's like, man, a lot. You know, there could be a three month camp leading up to this fight if you know who you're supposed to face, and then all of a sudden, if somebody has to drop out for injury, and then somebody else just jumps in on like a a couple of days notice, like you know, you're there's no game plan to be had. It's just like, okay, well, this guy is sparring heavy or he's ground heavy or something like that. We know these are what we, this is what we need to train leading up to the fight. Yeah. And it's, and also you got to factor in weight cutting and all that yeah. nonsense too. Yeah. Oh. Eric Anders was on Rogan a couple weeks ago. I want to say I listened to some of it. I didn't listen to all of it, but one of the first things Joe Rogan asked him, was like, dude, I can't believe you make 185 pounds. He's like, what the fuck do you weigh right now? He's like, ah, 235. He's like, dude, what is, what is happening? He's like, well, it takes me a full eight week camp to make 185. He's like, without it, I'll never do it. Yeah. He's like, because for eight weeks, well, and he said, he said like, he doesn't try to like cut down in a short amount of time. Like, for eight weeks, he's going to strict, strict diet and, you know, obviously work out which and get is, his weight down. Yeah, which is the right way to do it. But for some people, that's hard, man. I'm sure. It's discipline. Don't get me wrong. But for some people, that's hard. Yeah. You know, but I think that there and I, I was I was thinking about this because I saw an old old friend recently who used to wrestle and he always had a hard time dieting 
because he couldn't find a diet that worked for him because his metabolism was just out of this fucking world. So he was constantly eating and he wasn't like putting on weight, but he wasn't losing weight. He was just at the weight he was at because he was just constantly, he felt like he was fueling the fire as he has, he would say it. Like I'm just constantly eating because I'm always fucking hungry. He's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, we're working out three, four times a day. And he's like, I'm burning however many calories. He's like, I have to eat. So he would always cut weight, you know, two, three days before a match. And it'd be easy for him to cut because he wasn't cutting a lot, probably 10 pounds. Okay. But he was never like, he was never able to find a diet or anything that worked for him. It was just, I got to eat. doesn't matter what it is. Just give me, give me food. Right. You know? And he'd be fucking, dude, after a weight cut, he'd be eating fucking <laughs> uh, like Asiago cheese bagels and donuts and fucking, he would buy those wrapped baked potatoes you can put in the microwave, you know, mm-hmm. buying those and microwaving them and just eating it with his hand, like anything There's just like refuel. Right. Yeah. That's got to suck, man. Well, do you think- Yeah. Eric Anders was like, yeah, I'm 235. Do I get you, down to 185. Give me the time. I would kind of like to know, like behind the scenes, how much after they banned the IV, which was probably what, like four years ago now, something like that, like how much difference they've had as far as what people do. How if they've, if most fighters have changed things up, or if they've at least tried to stay more around their fighting weight the majority of the year, or something along those lines. I'm sure so, that, I'm um, sure that some still don't. They just, you know, go after it hard for the past, for the last like two weeks. Yeah. So like, I would say, no, I would say most guys don't try to stay around their fighting weight. I would say that they just do what they want. And from there lose the weight. And then, you know, the fight of the night or that night, you know, night of the fight, I should say they're up pretty high. So like Jalen Turner was the feature fight on the prelims this past weekend, and he's six three and fights at one fifty five. Okay, Jesus, which which is absurd. It's absurd. But people always, I guess, people were talking shit on Twitter. Like, yeah, he's got to be one hundred eighty five pounds when he gets back into the, when he gets into the octagon. And he yesterday posted a picture. So yesterday was the fifth. The fights were on the. What day? The second? Uh, Something like that? Yeah. So yep. we're yep. three, four days after the him, the fact of him fighting, which he won, by the way. Impressive win. And he was only 178. So he's like, to all you haters out there, I haven't even hit 180 yet. But I'm like, yeah, in two days, bro, you're going to be 190. That's, that's, <laughs> that's but that's nuts. And that is an advantage. That's why people do it. Well, that they, guy has an advantage. Didn't they say like when Brock Lesnar fought, it was just stupid how fast he put weight back on? Like from what he, he wasn't was, cutting that much though, right? Uh, well, I don't know what he what he walks around at, but he had to. I mean, he was heavyweight, right? So he had to be at least under two sixty five. Is that right? He had to be two sixty five. Yeah, but he doesn't he walk around at like closer to three hundred? Really? I don't know. I'm asking. I, I thought I he did. Maybe not. I don't I, I thought he was always... It's a good question. And while, while you're looking that up, I also wanted to know, did you see that DC uh, actually came out and admitted the whole towel 
thing. Yeah. After he gets into the Hall of Fame, he admits that? Uh-huh. Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course. Real slick, DC. Real slick. After you get in the Hall uh, of Fame, let's go ahead and admit what everybody knew and watched you do. Right. Um, so it <laughs> says here that Brock Lesnar's build weight is 286. So okay. maybe so about, he does cut about weight. Tw- about 20 pounds. Maybe that maybe it's not as near as bad as I thought it was. I don't recall him cutting weight, but who knows? Okay. Think about it this way. Jalen Turner is the same height as Brock Lesnar. One fought at 265 and the other fights at 155. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's insane. insane. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Jeez. I don't, but as far as the as far as the uh go ahead, what I don't want to see what I look like at 155. And I'm 5'10. You could make it. I know I could, but I don't I wouldn't want to. Why not? I, I feel like I would be a beanpole. You don't want that Jesus on the cross look? No. Not necessarily. <laughs> it's a good look. But that's it's also that's Reynolds. also like that's also like 40 pounds. You weigh 190 right now? I'm at 196. Whoa. Yeah. Beefy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You'll be all right. Um, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of the last time I weighed 155. It's been a while. It's been a while. I graduated high school at 135. I was 135. Yeah. Yeah. But I probably weighed 135 until probably like 25 years old. Jeez, really? Maybe. Maybe eh, 135 to 140 ish. Did you yeah. did, did you wrestle all through high school? Yeah. So what did you wrestle at? What weight when you were like a 125 senior? 125 and 130. As a senior? Senior? Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, 130. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was a time. Mean, I do I was when I started high school, I was five six. And I hit a growth spurt in between my freshman and sophomore year. So Okay. I essentially between the time I started high school up to when I started my sophomore year, I was I grew four inches. Nice. And I haven't grown I haven't grown since. <laughs> <laughs> five ten, and that's what I'm at. Damn it. Such a bummer. But uh, sophomore yeah. year through the rest of my life, I'm the same height. Yep, yep. <laughs> probably shorter now. Don't get me wrong. But as far as the main event goes, I don't want to get too much into it because you haven't seen it yet. But so I'd, I'd rather you watch it. I want to say this: like people are hating on Izzy for fighting a safe fight and the fight being boring. And you can't understand something, man. I know everybody wants to see finishes and I know Izzy talks a big game and, you know, and I even, I've seen analysts, people who make money to cover MMA be like, yeah, this is why Izzy's never going to be a star. It's like, guys, let's calm down. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's just calm down. This is his fourth title, fifth, fifth title defense. Romero. Wait, hold on. Romero. Whitaker, Vittori, Costa. Wait, Romero, Whitaker, Vittori, Costa, Cannoneer. Fifth. He's defended the bell five times. He's had that one setback when he went up to light heavyweight, lost to Young. Yep. He's defended the bell five times. He's only lost the one time, and it wasn't even at middleweight. 
He's never truly been in trouble in his fights. I would yeah. say the person who's had him in the most trouble is Gastelum. Yeah. And that's one of the best fights of all time. Right. So let's just take that into consideration. So it wasn't like he got hurt and then steamrolled him after that. And it was like, okay, no, no, that was a fucking war. So he proved he can win a war, right? Mm -hmm. He's proven he can defend the belt. He's proven that I'm comparing his career very much to Anderson Silva's. Anderson Silva was steamrolling through the division. And then everybody started calling him boring. Everybody started calling his fights. You know, he's not fighting good guys. And then Chael Sonnen came along, nearly beats him. Anderson Silva pulls out the submission in the fifth round. He was going to lose that fight, right? Mm -hmm. I think everybody knew that if Chael Sonnen didn't lose again, they'd fight again. And they did, and Anderson just fucking destroyed him. In a way, Adesanya's had his Chael Sonnen with Marvin Vittori. They fought once before. Vittori did really well against him. Izzy won a split decision. And Vittori always had that in his back pocket. Like, I'm going to meet this guy again one day. And oh, by the way, I'm going to get to say, no, I beat you. I beat you. Everybody knows I beat you. And then Izzy, yeah, he won a decision, but he dominated that fight. Right. Dominated. When you have a guy that that's, that's that technical, you got to understand, like, you're not going to see him be a Michael Chandler. That just says, fuck it. And I'm going to swing from the fences. When there's adversity, he's not going to swing from the fences. That's not the kind of fighter Izzy is. Well, I, I wonder if, like, how he, what his mindset was going into this fight, because I've seen something that he said after the fight, basically saying that it was an off night for him. I don't know what that means necessarily it's from easy a fighter's to say that. Yeah, I don't know what that means from a fighter's point of view. Does it mean that something was going on, your, your head wasn't in it? Or was there some kind of nagging injury going on or something like that? But basically what he said was, I still have this belt, which tells me that even though I had an off night, I'm still the best in the world. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't like when guys say I had an off night because of this. He just said I had an off night. Yeah. I'll admit it. You didn't get my best performance, but I still won. Yeah. Clearly, there were no there were no doubts once the final bell rang you know, rank who won that fight. Right. He won. I was a little bit disappointed that Cannoneer just kind of didn't go for rope ever. Like, dude, you're 38. Your yeah. chances of another title shot are slim to none. If you lose this fight, regardless of how you lose. So he didn't really help himself. And again, that, dude, you're fighting Izzy. That's, that's a puzzle that no one's really ever no one's been able to solve. Exactly. And the fact that you just said you're you're upset that he didn't go for broke. Like go you know what I mean, go, you know what going just, for as, broke as someone, could mean? <laughs> as someone in the moment watching it, I'm like, yeah. oh man, I wish he would just, you know, something. But yeah. he couldn't. Yeah. Izzy's that good. And I'll be honest with you, I think Izzy in a very small way. In a very small way, had Alex Pereira on his mind. You've been, here's what you've, I'm been, do. you have been at this for what the past we're gonna year? go back and we're gonna roll tape from episode whatever i said <laughs> and i said alex Pereira, if he wins three fights in the ufc we'll get a title shot yeah i said it you doubted me you said no way here we are <laughs> i here's I, the fight that i here's the fight that i think should happen but before you because say, i think it solidifies a couple of things before you say that though i i can't remember who i seen post that i seen somebody post on social media and they said the fun, the the best thing that can happen would be if Alex 
makes it all the way to Izzy, beats Izzy, and then afterwards just says, I really don't like fighting this much. I just wanted this fight back. And then just walks away. <laughs> How gangster would that be? Eh. Eh. I think it would be pretty cool. I don't know if gangster is the word I would use, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it would be cool, yeah. <laughs> I don't, here's the thing. No, I, and I'm going to sound like the guys we talked about earlier. I am no, I'm not going to be, I'm, tr- I'm not trying to be insulting, but I don't think a win over Sean Strickland, Sean Strickland is that big a deal. Like, I don't think it's as impressive as the ranking and as the moment shows it to be. Well, I mean, if we're talking ranking, we know how that goes. Well, I just, I said going into it, the only shot that Sean Strickland has at winning that fight is wrestle fucking him to death. Yeah. And he actually goes, no, no, my striking's better. I'm going to stay on him. I go, all right, dude. <laughs> I thought about putting a fucking thousand on fucking Pereira. I don't even know what the lines were, but I'm pretty sure Strickland was a favorite. Oh, was he really? I'm pretty sure. But so, I, I mean, it's impressive in the way that it's your third fight in the UFC. You fought a guy who's in the top five. I don't think Sean Strickland deserved to be in the top five. Again, just my opinion. But we're still saying, are we we thinking two fights away? Me? For, no, yeah. From, from an Izzy fight, you think we're still about two fights away from an, for a possible Izzy fight? Oh, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. That will, be, that will be Izzy's next fight, you think? Oh, yeah. Dude, so where where, as, where where is Alex in the rankings right now? He's not at all. No, he entered that fight man, unranked. I man, I don't know, dude. Okay, if if, it, if it's just because of storyline and the UFC knows they could have they could have it's a really all good build because up to of this storyline. It's because of storyline, and Izzy has opened the opened the door. He's welcomed it. He's talked yeah. about it. He's had to talk about it because people have asked him like, "Hey, that was the guy that knocked you out. When do you think you're going to see him?" He's like, I'll fight him next. If he wins, I'll fight him. How how it's, crazy would that be too? If if Izzy lost, have, have we ever seen that happen? Have we ever seen a title holder lose the belt to an unranked fighter? Well, he won't be unranked when they fight. He'll probably be. How is how is that? If he's not ranked, if he, unless he got unless he was ranked after this last fight. I mean, he will be ranked because he beat the number four guy, right? Yeah. But let me look up. <laughs> I predicted it, so I want to see it happen. I want to look smart. I feel like there's at least one more fight before Izzy. You would think so. You would think so. But, man, I'm telling you. But so I've, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen Alex Pereira. Has entered the rankings at number six. Oh, okay. That that's a little more feasible then. You want to know who's ahead of him? Paulo Costa is he's already beat him. Uh-huh. Derek Brunson is he's already beat him. Yep. Marvin Vittori is he's yep. already beat him. Jared Cannonier is he's <laughs> already beat him. Robert Whitaker is he's beat him twice. So literally, number six is next in line. You the only okay. So the only other fight I see happen. For him at middleweight would be if if he's going to fight anyone in the top five, it would be Whitaker. That's the only fight I would think that would make sense. Okay, but did you see Hamzat call them out? 
Uh, no, I don't think I've seen that. So Hamzat called him out and said, I, I can beat this guy. I can beat him easily. Hamzat's trying to prove that he deserves all the hype, even though he beat Gilbert Burns. Yeah. It was a close fight. It was a bloody fight. Both guys are technically speaking, trying to trying to prove that they belong after a few amount of fights in the UFC. I wouldn't mind seeing that fight too. How crazy would it be <laughs> if the person to derail the hype train of Alex Pereira is Hamzat? Then you give Hamzat a title shot. Yeah. And he fights at welterweight and middleweight. That's the you know that's the thing that made him so you know popular. Is people are like, we don't even know what weight he fights at. He's just like, I'll fight anywhere, and they keep letting him do Which, it. Which I mean, really, that's not. I mean, that's kind of sort of gone away, right? We don't have a lot of fighters left that are fighting between more than one or, you know, back and forth between weight classes, right? Yeah, not really. No. It kind of, it seems like it kind of went away with when Connor stopped doing it. I mean, you would see guys like maybe a cowboy that would go back and forth, right? Between, was he at 55, between 155 and 170? 55 and 70. Volkanovski wants to go up to 55, which I love that. Yeah. I love that. Give him the title shot. Yeah. Give it to him. Make Chandler and all these other guys wait. Like, fuck it. Yeah. Because he's proven it. Why wouldn't you? I mean, you let Max fight for an interim 155 belt. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Charles Oliveira's talking shit. Well, I mean, he's he has, shit. he has the right to. No, you don't. You didn't make weight. Well, yeah, true. But also, you can't be the guy that talks shit to the guy in the weight class below you. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, that okay. Kinda, it's kind of it's kind of the unwritten rule. Like that's kind of some bitch shit. Why are you doing that? Well, but but no, mate. I mean, if if you think there's potential for the guy in the class below you to come up to your weight class, why not? That's kind of where like super fights come in a little bit, right? Like if you well, can yeah, if you course. if you can have more people that can uh, that can fight in multiple weight classes, why not? If, well, I, I, see I, th- I think it, be, I, I don't know if you talk shit. I think it would be funny to see a guy like in one weight class, be, you know. Well, I guess you're saying did Vol- has Volkanos- Volkanovsky been talking shit also? No, he just said he would like to go up and that's it. Okay. Challenge for that belt. Okay, I mean, you know, he's not a shit talker, right? You know, yeah. And he's also he's fought at welterweight, so yeah. He also weighed 220 pounds when he played rugby. That's so, so freaking nuts, dude. Fighting at 155, not a big deal. So I think overall that card was, it was so stacked. I was so pumped for it. It was kind of a weird card. What happened? You had the what O'Malley happened? fight. Okay, that was actually what I was going to ask. What happened in that fight? I know he, was it him that couldn't continue? No, uh, Pedro Munoz, Munoz. Was couldn't it a, continue. Was it an eye poke or something? Yeah. Okay. And I've watched the replay a couple of times. It was pretty bad. I mean, a lot of fighters have called out Munoz like you. You were just kind of looking for a way out because O'Malley was all things considered winning the fight on points. I don't think he was dominating the way some people have been saying, but that was a weird moment. Um, Holloway and Volkanovski was just a surreal thing for me to watch because I've been one that said, you know, Volkanovski didn't win those first two fights and he just completely shut me up. Yeah. He said, Hey, stupid ass from St. Louis, shut the fuck up. He dominated, dominated. I are mean, we, are we seeing 
somewhat of a decline of Holloway? I don't think so. I don't think no, so. I just think Volkanovski is just a, it's a bad fight for him. I mean, we can't say a guy's declining when he just beat the shit out of Yair Rodriguez. He beat the shit out of Calvin Cater. Yeah, um, true. I mean, up to this title shot, he beat the fuck out of two guys who were fighting. I mean, Cater just lost, which he shouldn't have lost. But Yair Rodriguez is about to face Brian Ortega. If he wins that fight, he's likely true. could see his title shot next. Yeah. So, no, I don't think he's done. I, I think, well, look. The one thing Volkanovski was saying is like, did that dude's chin's got to go eventually, right? Like, how the fuck has this guy never been knocked down? And he couldn't do it. Even in this fight that he dominated, he beat the fuck out of Max. Hear the fireworks? I do. Is that fireworks? Or gunshots. Who knows? (laughs) St. Louis. Um, Nice. Yeah, he landed on Max's chin often. And Max, I mean... Eventually, these battles are going to catch up to Max. I don't know when. He's still only 30, which is insane to think about. He's had he's had some of the most historic fights in the UFC. Several of them. Easily. Easily. Well, I would say, yeah. I mean, I would have to go back. I like I don't I don't know if I count these Volkanovski Volkanovski fights as I mean, they are historic, but not like the fights with Aldo, not like and I like the fight with Ortega where he just like people were like people were counting Max out in that fight because there was that whole thing where they had to reschedule the fight where Max was like on live television and it sounded like he was punchy. And people were like, oh, my God, Max is not right in the head. So people started picking Ortega to win the fight. and Max was like, what are you guys? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. He's had some my favorite moment of his was probably. I mean, easily the first Aldo fight or, oh man, when he fought Ricardo Lomas, when he just like pointed at the middle of the octagon and said, come bring it. And they just like for that 30 seconds, just yeah, through Haymaker. For, for me, that's probably the most, most historic, but it kind of sucks because now we've seen it a lot more because people like try to re fighters try to recreate that sometimes. Even I've seen it. I don't, I don't have any examples on like who, but. I've seen it where, you know, the fight wasn't the greatest fight in the world, but there's 15 seconds left on, you know, in the third round and you see a guy, yeah. you know, bring it, let's bring it. And I'm like, ah, come on. Like, like that's been done. <laughs> let's right. just, let's right. leave, leave it where it was at. It was perfect how Max did it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to control that though. When you've been punched in the face for 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, true. I say that when I play pickup basketball. <laughs> we're, we're down 15 with two minutes left. Bring it, fucker. Bring it. So, yeah, overall, just kind of a weird card. I enjoyed it. We'll see what happens, man. I, you know, these are always fun. It was one of those, it was one of those cards that I, I think at the end of it, I'm like, I'm kind of exhausted. Oh, really? I was like, yeah, I, but but like mentally, just like I've, all the buildup, like I, I put so much on Max to win that fight. And I thought like, dude, if he wins, how do you not just book a fourth fight immediately? Like you have to give Volkanovski the immediate title shot, you know? Yeah. And there was this part of me that was like, what a fucking cannoneer knocks out Izzy. Like, what fuck, what the fuck happens? You know, like, what do you, what do you do? Um, 
So yeah, there was there was all what, these like what, what, I was going you, through. What do you mean? What do you do? As in like who who's the next fight after that? Yeah. Okay. Like, do you let Izzy like? What do you do? Like, if he gets knocked out, do you book a rematch, or do you like let Izzy heal, like rest up and give him a tune up fight, then get like you know, like they did with Cody when Cody got fucking knocked out by TJ the first time. So why did they rebook that fight right now? Yeah. Like, let Cody go beat somebody and then you know, but whatever. What do I know? Boy, talk about a guy who has never looked the same. What a bummer. Yeah, I mean, didn't he... Um, well, I, he had a really good record when he started. He was undefeated for a long time, right? He was undefeated until he faced TJ. Oh, yeah. oh TJ was his first loss? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it sucks, man. Well, again, you talk about a guy who just kind of puts the gloves down and just swings and says, if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to knock me out, that type of thing. Yeah. So is there any fights coming up that you're interested in? Oh, there's a ton. I mean, I'm definitely interested in UFC 277, which will be two weeks from now. Dos Anjos and Rafael Fazeev fight this weekend. That card's kind of eh. Is it a fight, a fight, um, fight night, I guess? It's a fight night. Saturday. Oh, so Ortega Rodriguez is the 16th. Oh, fuck. 277 is not until July 30th. But you have Ortega Rodriguez, the July 16th. Watterson fights Amanda Lemos. That, that card's pretty good. Shane Burgos is on that card. And then you have Blades and Aspinall on the 23rd at the O2 in London, which is nuts for a fight night. Oh, wow. Patty Pimblett's on this card too. Oh, dude, Patty Pimblett fights that um that dude that was twerking in the octagon after he won his last fight. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't think so. Dude, Nikita Krylov is fighting Alexander Gustafson. Gustafson is really. Unranked. Ooh, Paul Craig Vulcan Ozdemir at light heavy. Dude, this card is sick. Did you say Gustafson is unranked? Yeah, he's unranked. Dude, he's Dang. lost like his last four fights. Jeez. He hasn't won in forever. So this card is, it's a fight night, albeit at the O2 in London, which is nuts. So like Tom Aspinall's from London or from England. He's fighting Curtis Blades. Jack Hermanson's fighting Chris Curtis. Great fight. Patty Pimblett, Jordan Levitt, Nikita Krylov, Alexander Gustafson, Molly McCann, another Brit, Paul Craig, and Vulcan Ozdemir. This is a good card. Are you, are you on this Patty train? Uh, no, no, not yet. Like on the train, meaning, do I think he's a champion? Yeah, definitely not. No. Do I think he's a star? Well, I think he's proven he's a star. Is he a champion? We'll see. Like there are guys who can be a star and not be champion. Nate Diaz has never been a champion. Yeah. What do you think ever happens there? What do you mean? Because he's still never been released, right? No, but it's it's been how many years? Well, his last fight was um, Masvidal. Yeah, right. No, no, no. Leon Edwards. Okay. Someone just called him out, or he just called someone out. I can't remember who it was. It doesn't matter. I mean, Nate is Nate. Nate's always going to be there. He's always going to be a name, and we'll see. I mean, they shouldn't let him go. If they did, that would be stupid. Well, yeah, but if you got a guy that isn't fighting, 
I mean, Dana's already said, like, if guys don't want to fight, they don't have to fight. We'll what? book fights. It's not a big deal. What the hell? What's like, the, they can what's keep turning point? down fights if they get offered fights. And I think Nate's always going to be a guy that they go, what about this guy? What about this one? So, but what's the point? Like, what's the point in having a fighter on your roster if they're just going to turn down a bunch of fights, like most of the fights that you give Nate them? Diaz. Because of Connor? Because he's going to bring because eyeballs. Of the Connors, because of the Connor fight, though, right? If he's on the card, he's going to bring people to the card. People are going to watch. Yeah. That's why you keep him around. And there are plenty of intriguing fights out there that you can try and book with them. There's always the third fight with Connor. Book him against Michael Chandler. How crazy of a that fucking would be war cool. would that be? That would be awesome. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if Chandler would go for it, but Dustin wants to fight him again. Not again, but you know they were booked and the fight never happened. Which, by the way, did you see Dustin and Michael Chandler got into it? Uh-uh. Dustin lost his cool, and it is on video. Like in, pu- in public was, or what? Michael Chandler was cool as a cucumber. I don't know what the buildup was, but you just hear Dustin going like, you're a fake motherfucker. I mean, blah, 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 blah. And like, but was like, he was angry. It wasn't for the cameras. Like, it was like, no, no, this ain't shit talking. It's like, if there weren't people in front of us, we'd be scrapping right now. Michael Chandler was like, okay, bro. I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but that's weird. Cause okay. Cause Dustin normally doesn't lose his cool like that no. either. No, had to have been something big. I think he's fed up. I think he's just fed up <laughs> just with everything. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, I think he's just fed up because he's such a nice dude and he's yeah. just tired of being the nice guy. He's like this nice guy thing. Just nobody likes it. Let me be, you know what I'm thinking? I think he's just done. Yeah. Just a guess. I don't know. I don't know. I enjoyed it with the whole Connor thing. Like the, the layup, yeah, the but he line. had he had to do that. He had to do that. I mean, you knock a guy out like Connor, who's already beaten you, and you know, you gotta talk shit. Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, and he I, didn't really talk shit until Connor. He, yeah, he said he didn't really. He just kind of made Connor look stupid with what Connor was saying. Yeah, but I think the the media set him up for that too. Or remember that press conference when Connor was going off and just saying some weird stuff and Dustin's like, you used to be better at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you see that Floyd offered Connor 160 million or whatever to fight in Abu Dhabi or something? Jeez. Who? I don't want to see that again. I don't care. I don't have a desire to. It was, it was, co- no- it was a cool spectacle when it happened, but I'm not. Yeah, but at this point, why does it matter? Yeah. It'd be one thing if like Connor were fighting and winning and active and even not not even have to be like the Connor of old, but just like, oh, I've won, you know, three of my last five, you know? Yeah. I've beat some good guys. Like there's still he's still Connor. Then it makes a little bit of sense just for like, all right, Floyd says he doesn't want to stop fighting. He's called me out again. Let me go ahead and do this again. But like, I don't know. I I mean, th- and this isn't just being con- a Connor hater. I just I don't have a desire to see Connor fight anymore. I don't either. I I re- I hope he doesn't for his own sake. He doesn't need to. That's what I'm saying. Like, but my buddy had a good point when because he, he's the one that told me about this. I was like, he doesn't need to fight, but he goes, yeah, man. But if you get 160 million dollars to 
fight Floyd in what could potentially be just an exhibition, not even all out like an all out brawl. One hundred sixty million—that's legacy money. Yeah, that's that's yeah. your that's your kids and your kids' kids and their kids' money. You know. Yeah. You already got all this money. You want to make another easy one hundred sixty million? Win or could. win or lose. You could. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point, but how how long? Well, I mean, if it's the last one, if Connor goes, this is the last one. UFC boxing doesn't matter. This is the last one. But I'm like, maybe I'm intrigued. Maybe. Maybe he throws a few Irish uppercuts at his face and catches him. But who knows? I did. I've already been through this once. I was an emotional wreck after the first fight, <laughs> and I had to go to Vegas the next fucking day. Fucking drinking on the plane afterwards. All I was thinking about was Conor losing. I'm like, man, why did I buy into this hype? What's was it, wrong with me? You said you said Abu Dhabi, didn't you? Isn't that where uh, the last fights happened? Where Anderson Silva, I like, think where so. They were, like, and fighting on a I said that, or something. Yeah, I said that kind of making up, but also oh, okay. I think it's because some, so my buddy was like, "Yeah, that's that Middle East money," and I'm like, "I guess they're gonna fight out there." Oh, okay. I didn't even ask questions because I really don't. I mean, dude, in the moment, I was like, I don't care to see that. That seems to be where the money is, right? Dude, there are some high rollers over there. Well, yeah. So that prostitution money. <laughs> so I want to want to talk about something. Have you heard about um, Andrew Schultz and his special? No. Are you a fan of Andrew Schultz? I know we've talked about him a few times on the pod. It's the, the the last Netflix thing he did, which he was doing on YouTube before. I was really shocked that Netflix picked that up because he does say some controversial shit. Yeah. And I know Netflix had already gone through shit with Dave Chappelle. So I was a little bit surprised. And I don't think he held anything back on that. But did you, did you, you enjoyed that, right? Yeah. Yeah. What did you enjoy about it? Uh, well, I, I guess just the, I don't know. I, this is going to sound dumb, but like just seeing his side of everything. I don't know. I, it just, it, it, made, it made you see a different side of, of things that maybe you wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't have normally looked at him that way. Dare I say it made you see an honest take on some of these things. Okay. Not this lightened up watered down stuff that we see right. on a normal. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think that he 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 approached a lot of things that people, and, and especially at that time, you got to think when that came out, that was mid-pandemic, mm-hmm. right? And not not to mention, we're mid-pandemic, we're right in the middle of, you know, all of the racial tension going on, all of the the protests and the the social justice stuff happening, and he took a very honest approach to it all. And for a white guy to do that and get away with it on a major platform like Netflix. And was like, whoa, people kind of were like, whoa. And I actually remember reading articles where, you know, executives at other major networks, like I think one of the ones was like, I don't know who, who owns, who owns uh, MTV? Is it Viacom? Viacom. Might've been a Viacom guy or like a Paramount guy or one of these guys, but he was just asked about, he was asked about con- controversial humor was the word used on major streaming platforms. And he said, yeah, I think he's like, yeah, given the, the state of 
the country right now, we're running a real risk by letting that type of content get out to so many people. Something like I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And I go, and when I read that, he wasn't talking about Andrew Schultz, but I, when I read that, I go, oh my God, that's kind of, that kind of, kind of what he's talking about. Didn't offend me, obviously, but I'm saying, right. so for a white guy to go on and approach a lot of these things regarding race, regarding gender, regarding, you know, sexual orientation, it offends people. But I would say this as someone who watches a lot of his stuff and it's trying to be funny. It's just like with Dave Chappelle. It's like, it's not coming from a place of hate. It's not coming from a place of, of ill intent. It's not coming from anywhere other than I'm just trying to make you laugh. And you know what he has on his side? Receipts. Receipts of the laughter. <laughs> he does, dude. He yeah. films all of his stuff and he puts out these clips on YouTube and they're not out of context. Yeah. You see people react to this stuff. And when you look into his audience, he's there's everybody. Yeah. White, black, brown, yellow, gay, straight, trans, like everybody. When he was in St. Louis this last time, he's, he's posted clips of that. If you haven't seen that, post it. He was in St. Louis last Juneteenth. Okay. Had a show that night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he was talking about, well, no. Okay. So I'm sorry. There was a, a, <laughs> a gay guy in the front row, nails painted, toes painted, just like, flamboyantly gay and unapologetic wasn't trying to hide it and Andrew Schultz said something about it but he did it in such an endearing sort of like I'm going to make people notice you for you I'm not going to make fun of you I'm going to make people notice you for you right Mm -hmm. he brought up all of the obvious things the, 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 the nails the hair the outfit and the dude was laughing the entire time right Mm -hmm. and you can see in that crowd again you have white black brown yellow gay straight and if you if you pay attention and you watch his work he's not telling racist jokes he's not telling transphobic jokes he's not telling sexist jokes he's telling jokes from a point of view to try to get everyone involved and understand who you might be whether you might be white might be black might be trans might be gay straight whatever you are He's telling those to bring people in and help them understand who you are. Now, again, is that a very narcissistic way of doing comedy? Sure. Yeah. It's basically saying, I know the world better than you do. Right. Right. But why wouldn't you do that? How else are you going to get people to pay attention? You know, there are ways to do it. Obviously there are people like Jerry Seinfeld who tell fucking peanut jokes right fine but i think he's very good at it and so the whole point of this was he he has this special coming out and it was going to be on a major streaming platform he never really said which one it was and he's put out a press uh you know a statement on social media and there have been you know news stories about it i would venture to say that it was netflix if i had to guess because he's already worked with them and they're the big one but they were trying to censor him. They said, you need to cut out A, B, C, and D jokes. Net- Netflix, Netflix was trying to censor him? Whatever the streaming platform was. 
whatever, whatever, whichever one it was. I mean, I I don't know for sure. I I don't know who it was, but I was just going to ask you, like, do you think Netflix is that platform now where it's like, like Chappelle? They didn't censor anything that Chappelle put like wanted to put out, as far as we know. Uh, so I, I, I'm wondering, like, is Netflix that platform where they're just like, here, put put your stuff out. We stand behind the content that we put out, and it because like. I feel like there was a couple of other comedians too that it was the same kind of thing. People were going at Netflix for having this stuff out and they're like, no, we stand behind these comedians. We stand behind all of this. Well, now maybe now if it is Netflix, then maybe not, maybe they're, maybe that's not the case or maybe they're just trying to tone things down to get out, kind of get away from all that drama. Well, I'll say this. Andrew Schultz is not Dave Chappelle. True. No one is Dave. Chappelle. So maybe they felt <laughs> that they could censor him. Maybe yeah. they felt because of the, the amount of money that they gave him for the special that they could censor him. Yeah. And he would, he would, he would comply. Now here's what happened because he was being censored. He basically stated, I took all of my life savings and I bought the special back and now he's releasing it on his own. Huh. So what he's trying to do, and he's not putting it on YouTube. Not going to be one of those things because this was like a well-produced, you can go on YouTube. Now you, anyone who's listening, you can go on YouTube now and find a few clips. And these are the clips that went viral and the streaming platform was like, Oh shit. We've seen the whole thing. Maybe we made a mistake. So he bought it back because of all the money that went into it and all the time and preparation and, but that's a hell it's a really good looking special. That's a hell of a risk though, right? You spend you spend your life savings to buy it back and then not knowing what's gonna happen when you re-release it. It is, but here's the thing. So he bought it back with the hopes of this. He goes, you know what? I'm not just gonna put it on YouTube because I need to make my money back. We put our heart and soul into this, him and his team. He's it's on for pre-order right now, but what he's essentially going to do, it comes out the 17th, I believe. He's basically going to put out like it's going to make he's going to make it like a pay-per-view where you pay, you get it forever, but you pay to see it the day it's released, right? And then they do like a live stream afterwards and all of this shit. And he basically is saying he said on his podcast that came out today and then he said in his social media statements like if if you and he has he already has a built-in fan base. Like he has his fans. So you know his fans are going to go do it. The matter the the real question is, is everyone else right? Are enough people going to come and do this and go on this ride with you for you to not break even make a profit? So, I say at this point, if he breaks even, he'll be happy so because it really is a good spot. Like as someone who loves stand up comedy and I've watched, you know, thousands of specials, this one looks really good. It's well, it's well produced. It's well shot. The the state like the backdrop is great the the everything about it's good. The sound is good, and let me let me tell you what I mean by that. Meaning, him versus audience reaction, like the volume levels, like shit that I would never normally pay attention to, is really good. It's just a really well done piece of work. So like for him to take the risk of let me buy this back from a major streaming platform. And I'm sure the money that he got for it was great. 
But you know what? He's like, I don't want to be censored. I want it to be. And, it, and, you know, if you think about it, it makes sense. And you don't hear a lot of people talk about stuff this way. A lot of times people see dollar signs and they go, yep, I'll cut out that joke. Yep, I'll change that song lyric or whatever the case may be. You know, for him to go, no, man, I worked so hard on this for it to be what it was. You believed in it. I believe in it. I don't want to change anything now. Uh, it's, it's admirable, to say the least. And I think if, if he does this and it does well, not just, oh, I made my money back, like blows up. It's kind of changed, ch- changed the game for comedians a little bit. How, Basically saying, how? do you need Netflix? Do you need Hulu? Well, what's he, what's he releasing it on now? You said it's like a, it's a pay-per-view kind of thing. So is, is his website. Oh, okay. So you actually yeah. have to pay at his website to see it? I've, I'm thinking that's the way it's going to go down. You can go to his website now and pre-order it. So I'm imagining that's where you're going to watch it. But yeah, it's not going on any streaming service. It's not going on any, you know, any YouTube or any app like that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it gives another another route to be able to release it through. And you know, if if you're going through your own website, then all the money is in your pocket. I, I get it, but I guess that's kind of where some stand-up comedians did started doing the YouTube thing, right? They just started putting it out on their YouTube page. Now I know, um, you know, at least like with that, they're making money off of, you know, advertisements and all that stuff too. Um, but they're not, you don't make like as a, much as you could if you completely owned it yeah. and you have 100% right. profit. Right. Which but is it, what he said. And, yeah, but, and, and but it's, st- it's still, it does, but doesn't it seem like, Stand-up comedians have been doing this for so long that it's kind of weird that they haven't done it this way yet. Or maybe they it's have, the and inter- we just don't know about the comedians. No, that they have haven't. It. I mean, no, there are very few. There are very few people who have gone against the, you know, the system essentially. But then again, the I guess, But then again, I guess like a Dave Chappelle or any any other uh, stand-up comedian who has a special on Netflix. I'm sure Netflix throws the money at them first to do the whole to do the whole thing to where it's not really much out of pocket ju- just to do it in general. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what they whoever this was whether it Netflix or Hulu or whatever, I'm sure that's probably what happened with Andrew Schultz first is that streaming service paid for them to do a special and then they tried to censor him, he said no and then he bought it back from them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. That's what he says happened. Right. And I think like, dude, you know, as an artist, you, you have to respect that, that you want full ownership of your shit. You don't want to be censored. You, you felt that there was an agreement that you had a special that they were going to put out. And I mean, dude, what artist wants anybody telling them what their art should be, especially some person who, you know, all things considered sits in the boardroom and just makes executive corporate decisions. You know, do you think there's a, a musical equivalent to this? Like, do you think there's bands who have done kind of went through the same thing where a record label tried to get them to censor some stuff or take stuff out or whatever. And they say, absolutely not. And they end up going another route or something along those lines. I don't know of any that have been censored by the label. 
I think if anything, the, the music, and, and well, this is what we have with music. That's where this, you know, that's why you have explicit labels on music now. Not now, I'm saying yeah. up to this point still. Right. Um, I don't know. I have not heard of any that have been censored by their label. It's always been the record companies or the broadcasting companies or whoever. Okay. And I think people have just gone along with that. Like, oh, you're going to bleep out that. You know, there have been there have been artists who have had like explicit content that hasn't been sold in specific retailers and things of that nature. But I don't know of a, I don't know of a record label. So what's so what? I think with a record label, you know what you get, which is really funny because if you recall from the first season of uh, Dave, when he's in the boardroom at the record label and they're listening to the uh, what's that song called? Jail. Was it jail? I don't remember. Whatever it was. I know I know the scene like, you're talking about. Like he like bites a dude's dick off. <laughs> um they were like, This is offensive to so many people we don't even know where to begin. Yeah. We cannot put this out. Yeah, I think situations like that have come up, but I can't think of any where it's like in the, in this sense where it's like We've agreed that you can put out this product, but now we want you to change it. I think record labels have been like, yeah, that's not the lead single or we need a, we need a hit. You hear those stories. Yeah. But censoring an artist, I don't know about that. I'd have to think about that. I'd have to Google that because I don't know. So you said there's some retailers. Is that the retailers themselves choosing not to, to have a, a certain singer or band's album in their store? Yeah, like I know, like for the longest time, maybe it was, it was probably Walmart wouldn't sell like death metal, for instance, in the store. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they ever did or if they do now, but I remember seeing a story about that. What do you think happens if I Google death metal Walmart? What do you think I get? <laughs> I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see. This is. Like Google's like, what are you doing to me right now? Death Metal Walmart. Uh, Death Metal Walmart. Mm. Metallica team up with Walmart for a range of colored vinyl. Nope, not what I wanted. <laughs> Some of Walmart's great value tortilla chips were called. Nope. Okay, so maybe I made that up, but whatever. Well, I know we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe in the last episode, about how uh, Walmart for the longest time and maybe still doesn't let you or like they, they won't have albums that have cussing on them and stuff. And I don't know if that's just like the family friendly thing or, or what? I don't know. Yeah. Walmart, Walmart sucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really seeing anything here. So nonetheless, so they really don't carry explicit lyrics in the store. They Maybe they do. I know at one time they didn't. I don't know if that's changed or not. I Do couldn't, I couldn't tell you in a Walmart? <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time that I bought an a record at Walmart. I can't say that that's ever happened. It may have been high school for me. Yeah. You bought CDs at Walmart? Probably. What what did you buy? What did you buy? Shoot, I don't I remember. I don't rem- Oh, you know I bought I bought the Switch that Switchfoot album at Walmart. I remember that. Uh, trying to think. I'm sure there were, I'm sure there was multiple that I bought there. 
Why Walmart? Because I live in the woods and there's not many places to find records. Do you? When uh, I was in high school, do you do you not have the internet in the woods? Or I do now. I did. I mean, I barely did then. You didn't in high school. It it was like dial up. Was there was there iTunes when you're? How old are you? Was there iTunes when you're in high school? <laughs> I don't think so. I it was. This was back in like the LimeWire days. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Did so you, CDs were still a thing. Did you have LimeWire? No. Oh, never you didn't? did. Never did. Are you just saying that because you don't want to be on a list? Never looked at it. Don't know. Don't know what it was. <laughs> don't know what Napster was. Or still is, for that matter. I think we talked about that they still get streams. Did we talk about that? Yeah, we talked about how Napster pays out artists better than anybody. Oh, yeah, that was on that list that you had. That's right. But who... who? I'm going to go to Napster right now. (laughs) But so are they just a streaming service now? I don't know if we talked about that. Okay, so they're... Napster.com, music from every angle. Rhapsody is now Napster. Try for free. Thirty days. Rhapsody is Napster now? It's nine ninety nine a month for Napster. Who pays for this shit? Seriously, who buys this shit? I don't know. That... Sorry, Napster, I'm not giving you anything. So much for that. Who really pays ten bucks a month for Napster? I would like to see what their numbers look like. Well, we it, on the episode where we brought that up, I, I talked about it. I don't. I don't remember what it was, and I don't remember. But they were the highest paying. No, I, or I one of the highest paying. Yeah, I'm not talking about like the numbers that like how much they pay out. I'm talking like how many subscribers they have. I would like to Let's see that out. number. Let's find out. Hold on. Because we've got that, and then uh, what's the one? What's what's the other one that's newer? That uh, is it? Jay Z that owns it. Napster has five million plus users and monthly revenues of eight million dollars. That's hard to believe, right? Monthly. This is from musically.com. This came out in April of 2021. Newly merged with Napster, Melody VR, well, it's called Napster now, has published an update on its operational performance. The acquisition of the Napster streaming service in December 2020 has enabled the group to accelerate its subscription-based revenue model, which now boasts more than 5 million users, including subscribers from the PAAS services worldwide. Pro Forma revenues from the Napster streaming service and Melody VR service combined totaled 96 million in 2020. And during January 2021, generated monthly revenues of $8 million. Wow. Well, there you go. That's still kind of unbelievable to me. Uh, me too. I'm not sure if I believe it. Like, who gets their music from Napster now? Did we ever get any comments about how Spotify works? Not that I've seen. Hey, people, we need to know how this works because the podcasting is different. If I search our podcast, it just plays. But if you search a song, it doesn't play. Someone help me, and I'm not going to Google it. <laughs> I'm I'm assuming it's what you thought it was, and it's the whole, like, you have to have premium to be able to... To play a song? Are you fucking with me? So you mean to tell me I have to what's premium Spotify premium? Ten bucks a month? Probably. So you mean to tell me I have to pay ten bucks a month to play a song directly on your platform? 
how does that seem even remotely anything? How? What? No, I I feel like you're not doing it right. Good call. Good call. (laughs) That's why I need somebody to help me out. I will. uh, I'll, I'll post the question on our social media. We'll no, see don't. We, see we're if we can get stupid. some answers. Um, that's fine. If people listen to this podcast, they already know that we're stupid. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> Good. Before we get out of here, let's get out of here. But for real, so for, with Andrew Schultz, if it works, good for him. I think it kind of changes things quite a bit for artists, not just comedians. For I think for for artists and. I think if anything, you can go, you know what? If I don't want to be censored, let me go ahead and build a fan base. Let me go ahead and release shit on my own and it will pay off. Now, we don't know if it's going to pay off. Right? There have been independent artists in the music industry that have been doing this for years. Some do it well. Some don't. Some don't make money. They just break even every year. What What was? What did Louis C.K. do on his last special? Didn't he do something like this? I don't know. I think I he put. It was I released think, on. I thought he put it out on his own website. I don't. Think maybe so. maybe I'm wrong, but I I was thinking that. I think it was on something else. Because I don't I don't think it was on like a bigger streaming platform. Which, by the way, the last one was really funny. I don't even. I haven't seen it. I need. I need it's to find re- it. It's really good. Um. Uh, it says that. Was the last one sorry or was it uh, mm, sincerely? Yeah, sincerely was the last one. I want to say. Let's just say release April fourth, twenty twenty. Oh no, it was published through his website for download and streaming for seven ninety nine with no advance notice. Yeah, so that's that's, so that's that. Huh. I, maybe that's what I was thinking about. Like it's also again Andrew Schultz. It's not Louis C.K. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's and one I, thing I, to be, and I'm not saying like that. There, that Andrew Schultz isn't like opening the door for a lot of other comedians to do this, and maybe they, maybe they are. But you know, like we said, Louis C.K. probably paid for that special out of his own pocket, in hopes that he's going to make that return. If if it's going on his website, who else is going to pay for it for it to be done? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Unless, again, unless, CK versus... unless, unless he has some kind of investor that it's in a contract that says, well, this money's coming back to you. It's possible too. Yeah. It's possible too. We'll, we'll see. So I, I, I've seen the clips from it, from the Andrew Schultz special. It looks, I, I like him. I think he's, I think he's funny. I think he's a master of crowd work, which he does in this special, or I would imagine he does. The clips aren't necessarily crowd work, but crowd related, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think somebody, I'm, I'm, somebody, I'm, somebody who's really good at crowd work, that has to be a little trickier too. Uh, I mean, I guess every comedian does it differently, but I know most stand-up comedians will pick like three or four shows and they'll say, listen, I'm recording these three or four shows tonight. And then we're going to take, you know, the best clips out of all this to make my special out of, which is why if, I don't know if most people pay attention to the crowd in stand-up shows, but I do. And 
sometimes you'll you'll see like different people in different shots that are in the same seats yeah, because never... you know because you're pulling from several different yeah, yeah, nights yeah. or several different shows. I mean that's fine. I don't mind that too much, but but I'm saying like, so like somebody somebody who's involved with crowd work a lot in their specials, then that's got to be tricky because you got to pull most of your oh sure your special from like probably one or two. Oh sure. He's really good. I mean, he's I think he's right now probably one of the best at crowd work. So yeah, it's got to be a little bit difficult because of that. So. I'm rooting for him. I want it to work out for him only because I think it does a lot for, for entertainment and for, and for independent artists and people who want to not be censored and don't want to, well, essentially people who want to own their shit and not give a piece of the pie to anybody else like corporations. I think, it, I think it anyway, until, until something happens and maybe I'm crazy by saying this, but until something happens where you say corporations like, websites like website hosts get involved in this kind of stuff to where to where you're putting something on this website that technically you don't own so technically we own the property that you're putting on it if that's if that's even possible if that's a thing yes but at the end of the day if he just accepts a sum of money for a special and he doesn't cut the jokes they want him to cut then they do it. What's worse? Right. You know? Yeah. I would say I'm telling you because I know you're, I guess a fan of his and I know you're a fan of stand up. I need, you need to go find those clips on YouTube. Okay. He has an abortion joke, which is, I think one of the ones that the abortion topic, I think they wanted him to cut pieces of it out. And he said, no, like, but they're the abortion joke you can find online right now. And just judging from this, this is my guess would be tame compared to the rest of it. Huh. That's all all I'm going to say. Oh, by the way, too, um, I don't know. I guess my phone was listening to us talking about it, but a clip came across, a TikTok clip. No, not TikTok, but a, a, a clip that comes up on Facebook popped up on my Facebook the other day of the Dan Cummins abortion joke that you were talking about. God, our phones are listening to us, bro. It's creepy, isn't it? God damn. But what do you do? So I'm going to end the show on this. Uh-huh. And I, I, I'm not going to respond to anything you have to say to it <laughs> or your reaction to it. We can save it for the next show. Okay. I think I am a Jelly Roll fan now. Why? I can't even ask questions? Nope, not right now. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Okay, wow. I'm I want you to think about that for a right. long time. I think I'm gonna Google it to find out what's happened. Something had to have happened. Uh, maybe. Check it out. <laughs> Alright, we're out. We got you tight, and I-